new class on how to sell beer in college. Hormel Chili gets into craft beer in the worst possible way. And we got some new Super Bowl beer commercials. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. If the podcast world is dry January, then we are the rare imperial barrel-aged stout with that's made with angel tears and aged on unicorn horns for five years, and, and some asshole couldn't help but open it right now. Seriously? I'm trying to do dry, dry January. You're going to open that now? Yes, I want some. Oh, fuck it. And just give me a beer, because I might as well just... It, the, everything's fucked. I might as well just get this over with anyway. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. But the bad part is that Imperial Stout was very underwhelming. <laughs> and so you just spent $60 on a bottle to be disappointed. It's like having a threesome with Jeremy. <laughs> First of all, I, at most, I charge like 30 bucks for a threesome. <laughs> I know my worth. <laughs> And, by the way, that'll be the most exciting 25 to 30 seconds of your life. It'll be a whirlwind, and it'll be very wet and (laughs) sticky, and you don't know if it's from tears or jizz. Why can't it be both? (laughs) Hi, Tyler. Welcome back to the beer cave. (laughs) Way to class up the joint. I was going to say, it always goes off the rails when I'm in person. Why is it proximity makes it more more horrible? Because it's like, you, why do you see my face? Like, okay, now we can get real filthy. Um, because we're not trying to wait for the other to like talk through a lag of a computer. Well, and I guess we also, uh, I, if we're here, we're kind of isolated. We, we're in our respective houses. There are kids within like. Earshot. Earshot, yeah. yeah. And, and while we are going to definitely corrupt those little bastards, uh, we're going to uh, maybe wait till like. They can stop peeing themselves before doing that. Get to the age where we get them drunk enough they do pee themselves again. <laughs> uh, last week we did uh, the the big fat tire uh, re- rebrand and reformulation, uh, and we were able to get one of each. Yes. Uh, th- shout out to friend of the podcast, Michael Teeter. He hooked me up with a split six-pack, so three of the new... Bottle three of the old bottle. Thank you very much. Um, he waited to give me his opinions on... he Because he tried both of these side okay. by side uh, until after we did the podcast. Because he's like, I don't want to corrupt and okay. taint. That's, so That's that's that, that's very honorable uh, to keep his taint out of the podcast. <laughs> but uh <laughs> So, where... I mean... Should we should we start? I was gonna the, say, where do we start? First of all, buying this six pack of fucking fat tire was like I was like, when was the last time I bought fat tire? And I think the last time I bought fat tire was like 2015 or 2014. I, I mean, I I I, the, I think I, I think we talked about this last week. The last time I did was definitely at some some dive bar somewhere where it was either that or Coors or Bud, and I'm like, fuck, give me a fat tire. Um, See, I think I would have went with Coors. <laughs> <laughs> it got number three, baby, number three. <laughs> so uh, uh, and so, I can't. I I honestly do not remember the last time. So th- this will be interesting. Do we start with the OG or do we? I start... feel we start with the OG and then go. Or do I need to? Go, or do I need to go get a couple of glasses and we do them at the same time? I think we go OG. Okay, and then we go new. All right. So we'll. Let's... They may not be the coldest. They spent most of the day in my car. I mean, what's uh, 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 
This is lighter than I remember. Though. That's well, and and I realized that when I saw a picture. This was after I, because I I had made some joke about about a fat tire looking like a blonde, and then when I was actually putting the podcast together, I saw a pic. Someone had put a picture of the old and the new one back to back. To which I said, "Oh, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe the maybe the original wasn't as amber as I had uh, had right. remembered. Remembered. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, and again, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had it, uh, but it's you know brilliantly clear, copper colored, slight off white head, slight citrusy nose. I was gonna say a little like hop aroma with like." I'm assuming probably the like traditional Northwest this like is, sea hops. This is definitely a Cascade or Centennial, almost almost certainly. Some nuttiness on the flavor. Yeah, crisp finish. I mean, you got some nice, slight, uh, uh, slightly sweet, caramel nut, um, uh, biscuity, toasty bread flavors. Really well balanced with the hops. Clean finish. Yeah, you know, there's not there's not much to it, but there's nothing over or underwhelming about this beer. Yeah, I mean, think back to when this beer had became popular. This has a ton more flavor than uh, than your average, you know, Coors or Budweiser. It also has quite a bit more body. Um, I mean, that's even that's even apparent. See, I could, I almost think this is a little thinner on the body. Than your average domestic? I mean, it's got a mock... No, than your average domestic, but, like, uh... But, I mean, at the time, this was a full-bodied beer. Now, moderate at best, maybe moderate low. But, I still, I mean, there's... I don't, know what, I don't know what else you can say about it, except for it's super easy drinking. Slight... If, if someone were to bring this in and be like, try this new amber we made, and hands me this, I'm going... Well, you missed the fucking color. Uh, second of all, decent flavor. I'm not expecting much out of an amber, but a little thin. I'm not sure. So I'm not sure I would go with thin because I think it's got all. I think it's got all the flavor components. Maybe I would. Maybe I'd remark on the color. Maybe I wouldn't. But. But uh, anyway, while we as we uh, as we uh, uh, take a moment to say our final goodbyes to the old fat tire. Um, while we get started today, uh, well, the, we're going to start off with the, uh, all the rage in, uh, uh, the, uh, big, uh, the big announcement that, uh, Miller Coors, uh, got, uh, for the first time in 30 years, uh, the ability to do, um, uh, do a Super Bowl commercial, do, do a commercial for the Super Bowl. And the big, and the big thing is which is going to get it, uh, Coors or Miller. Well, they're kind of tr- treating this whole thing like someone trying to fuck a doorknob, not very eloquently, <laughs> and like they have no idea what the fuck they're doing because no one that's been alive working at that company probably has seen a Miller Coors Super Bowl commercial. And well, and frankly, the only time that you know the the only time they've seen a Super Bowl commercial is when they have to review the times when Budweiser was trashing them. Yeah, with the with the corn sugar with the corn sugar comments, which was of course. The genesis of this podcast. Yes, we, we 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 were so incensed by that at the time. We were like, we need to start that podcast. So we could, so we so we got a microphone and and uh, uh, and and the rest is some and, miserable history and, for you guys. And ranted about that for a little while. Yeah, hundred. I get we're almost up to one hundred and twenty episodes now. <laughs> whoop, but whoop. 
not quite, but we're damn close. Uh, episodes later, um, we're still uh, we're still pissing and moaning. And you know what, my and you know which one I I prefer for the Super Bowl commercial? What? Neither. Um, <laughs> uh, because it turns out there's a there, there is a new entry into the game. Woohoo! Uh, Dogfish head. Oh, I was gonna guess uh, red stripe, but <laughs> Dogfish head announced that it has. Um, conversely, uh, paid one of the smallest amounts for a for a uh, c- uh, commercial to air during the Super Bowl, with airtime going upwards of seven million dollars for a thirty second commercial. Dogfish Head is spending a whopping seven thousand. They're just buying local time, oh, c- aren't they? Clearly, you're not gonna. Yeah. They, you can't get a national spot for for uh, for seven thousand. Also, on the flip side. Just now thinking, I'm calling shenanigans. Molson Quartz has had a Super Bowl commercial within the last 30 years. Oh, yeah? Because I will never forget the one-second Miller High Life commercial where it was the black like beer delivery driver standing there and just goes, High Life! And like they had ads leading all up to the Super Bowl talking about how it was so expensive for a 30-second ad, but it broke down to like so much per second, so they were like, well, in an effort to be budget concept conscious, we're doing a one-second Super Bowl ad, and it was this delivery driver, and he's just standing there by a stack of Miller High Life, and he goes, "Miller High Life." I don't remember that. When, oh. when was that? Uh, I, I now have to Google this. All right. Well, while you're while you are googling the hell out of that, um, the the thirty-second spot uh, is going to air in in their local area, known in the uh, television market as Delmarvia. Delmar- uh, it is a it, it is apparently the term for a subset use a uh, small subset of Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia. Um, and if you're not familiar how television uh, television markets work, basically the country is divided into two hundred and ten markets. And then each one is given a number based on the number of people in that market. For example, New York is number one. Uh, our hometown market of Boise is number 101. Okay. Uh, which I thought is, we had moved up over 100. Not yet. We haven't not checked yet. it Checked it out the t- today. We may okay. have, Maybe we dropped in the dropped in the ratings. But it was a, quite a bit higher than when I worked in television news because we were closer to, well, to where uh, Dogfish Head's uh, market is, is at, at 137. Okay. So they're buying a 30-second uh, spot at the 137 market. I mean... We're also, in a couple of years, we'll crack the top 100. I mean, we're not far off. Uh, the commercial commercial reportedly pokes fun at the big game while paying homage to their roots. Tyler, as you're probably aware, um, as you are more well-versed in the local, in the lore of, uh, of the craft beer origins than I am, uh, the original hopping machine for the Dogfish 60-minute, 90-minute, and 120-minute IPA was an electric football game. Okay, sorry, hold on. I was busy Googling this. Back it up for me. The original mach- the original hopping mechanism for the 60-minute... Oh, 90- yes! Okay. <laughs> the little electronic football game where the guys are going... Da, da, da. That's did, how they... I did not know... When I was reading the article, I thought it was bullshit until... No, that's how they got the 60-minute hop. And then they were like, oh, well, let's... Can we do it longer than 60 minutes? And so they came out with 90-minute. And that's why they are basically the only people to talk about name their beers this minute because that's how long they continuously hop in I, the boil. I got, well, I understand the mechanism. Well, I, I understand, I understood like the how, I, I understood the what. I didn't understand the how, like the nitty gritty. Like they actually used a 
a electric football uh, game board in order to like slowly vibrate the uh, the hops into the word. Yes. Um, that was that was a part I didn't understand. I'm like Tyler will know that. Um, in addition, Dogfish Head recently announced a partnership with Tudor Games, the maker of said uh, electric football game, to sponsor the Electric Football World Championships, which takes place on Sunday, February fifth. The only week, the only weekend during the regular football season where there is no scheduled game. Yeah, it's the NFL bye week. Um, uh, that is going to be uh, uh, at the Dogfish Head Tasting Room uh, in Milton, Delaware. Uh, if you happen to be in that part of the country, look for the ad. Go check out the uh, uh, go check out the Electric Football Championship. Um, but otherwise, World Championship. World. Cha- my 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 bad. Kind of uh, like the Super Bowl winner is the. World champion of football. Uh, suck on that, England. Eight won a world war. Eight won a Super Bowl. I mean, fair enough. But <laughs> I mean, you've been on the winning side of two world wars. <laughs> but we, we as Americans, like take credit for that win. I mean, because we showed up after the, <laughs> we showed up after both boxers were basically about to about to fall. We're like, we're here. We're like, boom! Tag us in! Tag us in! <laughs> We did all the heavy lifting here, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> what we don't tell anyone is we were selling steroids to both boxers before the fight. Capitalism. Who said you don't get a well-rounded education on this podcast? <laughs> Tyler, uh, what's next for us? Uh, well, so, quick thing. Oh, yes. Did you uh, find the... the yes, uh, it was in 2009 okay. that the Super Bowl ad aired. Uh, it only aired on. They basically bought local channel airs in every market they could. Okay, so it's still not national. So still wasn't the national. So it because when you have the national, if you don't have it, apparently you can't get like L.A., New York, and Chicago. But you can basically buy up the rest of the country. Okay. By just going to the local channels, just, just going to, just calling every single fucking television station in the goddamn country, going, we don't need to buy a second of airtime. Some, some intern was like, "Yeah, no, no, I work with Molson Course. Trust me, it's not a prank call. No, we only want a second. Uh, what's, what's it going? Right? Listen, I hate this as much as you do. Okay, so it was a hundred thousand dollars for a second. Oh Christ." And they spent three million dollars to buy. That's not. I mean, well, for a per second basis, that's awful, actually. Yeah. So, uh, but but rather subversive. I I, I applaud your efforts, Miller Cold Course or Molson Course. Hold on, we're going to do a. We're we're we're, we're apparently going to try to view it. Okay. That was. was oh. <laughs> There were 30 different commercials. For each market? <laughs> the old...
He had too much fun with these. Oh, right? dude. But, so the only one I remember seeing was just a... High Life! High Life! <laughs> so, Jeremy will post a link to that. Uh, but, little final backstory. Uh, Molson Course is basically trying to pitch it as, Who deserves this spot better? These two rival companies, Coors Light or Miller Light. And I'm like, it's the same fucking company! <laughs> Stop trying to play like Pepsi's not the same as Mountain Dew. <laughs> well, only one alcoholic version is falling flat on its ass as we speak. And the other didn't nitro. <laughs> but on a different note, we're going back to school, Jeremy. I don't want to because uh it was it, it, it was uh, a lot of reading uh and um Then you did college wrong. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. You couldn't see, but I stopped him. I know. I looked I, at his uh, diploma for all the listeners. Um, well, Marquette University is launching a new craft beer label ran by students. Um, the release is going to be set on National Marquette Day, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. There's a National Marquette Day? That's what I said. Uh, it's February 4th. Um, the beer is... So, a group of Marquette students, they had reached out to a bunch of different students to basically come together. They selected a select few to come together, create a group to create this brand, and worked with several local breweries in the area to help formulate. They tasted them through different styles. They let them pick the style, helped them formulate the recipe, and then left it up to the students to create the branding for the packaging and the company to then release and sell. And a portion of all the sales will go back to Marquette at, while a portion goes back to the breweries who helped brew it. Um, it is going to be the 77 Golden Ale uh, in reference to the last year they won the NCAA basketball <laughs> tournament. I don't, I don't know if I would bring that up. That's kind of That's kind of rough. Uh, I mean, if you get to, you're an elite, like, basketball university. Okay, so... So, one is great. So, I don't know. I see, and now I'm, once again, showing my complete ignorance in sports. So, um, that every year it will have a different group of students developing this beer, launching it, and basically starting this company over relaunching it and getting it out there and distributed uh and basically learning what it takes to start up a craft beer start up a craft beer and the logistics and the complications behind getting a beer to market and distributed mm -hmm. um and it'll launch every year on marquette day as as, as anybody who's if, if you ever feel like a uh uh uh, uh, listening to a very long story, uh, find someone who's launched a, a craft brewery and ask them, and basically say, "Just it's, it's, this seems easy. All you gotta do is brew beer, right? And then 
brace yourself because you have just opened and then order three beers and be like do you want anything to uh, <laughs> so say, and then brace yourself because you have just opened a Pandora's box that cannot be shut. Yes. Uh, so this year it's seniors Gracie Ponick, Connor Nelson, Will Dales, and Jackson Cosgriff, um, who had n- none of these students had actually ever met each other before the project, uh, but all signed on from different departments and. Uh, decided to help launch this so a little backstory like i said uh they had a beer board of marquette alumni with business and brewing experience who helped contribute some of the startup capital for this and guide them through this so you have david dupay of good city brewing joe yato of gathering place brewing company and tim polly of broken bat brewing company do you, you've been in Milwaukee. Do you know any of those breweries? Nope, none of them ring a bell. Just, okay. Although it's been nearly, a, it's been oh, about five, six years since I've been to Milwaukee and didn't have a lot of time to go hunting around craft uh, craft brews at the time. So after tasting through this, uh, they, oh, they also have Kevin Brower of Draft Guard and Chuck Swamba of Marquette's Innovator in Residence. <laughs> They got an innovator in residence. There is no way that guy does not smoke a bale of weed every year. <laughs> so, uh, what do you do? I'm an innovator in residence, man. Uh, <laughs> so, in an effort to appeal to the largest alumni base, the students went with the light Chris Bale. Uh, they went with the retro vibes right off the start. Uh, they some of the concepts that they kicked out. Because they said, we don't want to just slap the Marquette M logo on and really just go something super basic. They want to still pull in the essence of Marquette, but be a little more nondescript than just having Marquette's logo on it. Mm -hmm. So they looked at the Big Ale, which is a nod to their best basketball coach, Al McGuire. Avalanche, it was a popular campus bar that closed in 97. Uh, I was five then. Uh, McCormick, uh, which apparently was the former dorm that was shaped like a beer can. I can only imagine how much Milwaukee's best was drank in that dorm. (laughs) Uh, But they came up with the 77 golden ale this is what the can looks like the 70 it's blue with the 77 and it says golden ale uh they used the same font that was created that year that was used on the jerseys as well as the same colors that the jerseys had uh to really just kind of dive home on that uh and they want to tap into the nostalgia of the alums to think back to their glory days and time spent at marquette um Make a donation. <laughs> Basically. Uh, but it opened some of their eyes to uh, the challenges of getting a beer distributed and into retail locations, as well as product design and creating a product basically from start to finish and getting it to market. Uh, like I said, the revenue will be split between the Blue and Gold Brewing uh, and the participating breweries. 
the Blue and Gold Brewing will have the press seat. Proceeds go to sustain student-run venture program. So, great way to see kind of a university really tap into how can we incorporate brewing and teach people, okay, here's a no-risk way of seeing, do you want to open a brewery? And we will give you basically everything you need to soft open a brewery and see if this is a path you want to go down and i'd love to see more universities especially ones with huge brewing science programs like oregon state uh siebel institute um any fucking colorado state with their new belgium ties really where they can brew that at one of their partner breweries that's that big one and really give people a real life look at what it's like in the industry getting it out there and what some of the struggles are before they go out and have to figure this out after they took out a huge loan <laughs> and i just appreciate as, as a journalism major i just appreciate that there are still programs that are railroading uh, uh people into an industry that makes no money where they will be poor their entire life uh since journalism i think is pretty much illegal now <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a degree right there. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what have we got next, baby? <laughs> On that uplifting note, things that shouldn't exist are existing news now. We've seen some interesting new players getting into craft beer recent, uh, recently. Pepsi and the guys of uh, Hard Mountain Dew, which we've just talked about. Mountain or Monster, when they uh, bought Canarchy. Uh, Tilray, when they bought Sweetwater and Green Flash, although I'm not sure they were ever not high enough to know it. Um, and now, Hormel Chili. Uh, this comes from the... Hell state. yeah! This comes from Got the... Got the beer shits and chili shits all at the same time. <laughs> it's gonna be a waterfall. Uh, <laughs> this comes from the street by Colette Burnett. Um, okay, so it's not quite in the same league. Hormel didn't buy a brewery, but it did decide to work with Modus Brewing uh, Company out of, uh, out of uh, Minneapolis to create, of course, a chili cheese beer. Can I stop you right there? When I saw... I think one of the people I follow on Twitter tweeted like the picture they put out and i was like god damn it because also this person usually tweets out anytime there's like blatant like ip theft and craft beer okay yeah. and yeah. i was like motherfucker another one really who's trying to knock off fucking hormel chili and then so when i sat down and you're like i got this article about hormel chili making a beer i was like Oh shit! That wasn't just a brewery stealing their logo. No, this was this this was fully in this is fully endorsed and uh, and and uh, 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 um, uh, uh, and helped by you know collaborated with Hormel Chili as evidenced by the fact that this uh, if you look on our on our Twitter account I retweeted the uh, tweet from Hormel Chili so somebody. <laughs> All right. Because and you can tell it's Hormel Chili because it's got the little blue check mark. They wouldn't lie about that. Yeah, if they're lying, it's a gold check mark. Which, now I don't even want to pay for us to get verified, because if I don't get the blue check mark, I don't care. Uh, let's face it, chili is awesome, especially in the winter, and what Hormel produces is not so much chili as violent diarrhea of someone who ate far too much chili, but I digress. That they repackage into a can that you then ingest and evacuate out. It's... And if you shit it back into the can, they'll give you a portion back. It's the circle of life. Uh, 
But chili itself is good, and it's good with beer. So why not make a chili into beer? Uh, why not pull on Superman's cape? Why not spit into the wind? This is basically a Jim Croce song, but with beer. This is um, why you don't pee on an electric <laughs> fence. The chili cheese brew starts out with a lager made of Pilsner barley malt and flaked corn. So pretty, a pretty standard American lager. Then it is blended with Hormel's proprietary chili spice blend, which, okay, actually, that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Chili beers are weirdly good sometimes. They are definitely a sometimes thing, uh, and they usually have to be paired with something oh, else. Oh, no. What I'm imagining is Icarus flying too close to the sun and chili cheese wings, uh, or the quote from Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum goes, <laughs> your scientists never stop to think. They're, they, so, co- they're so concerned so, to think if they could, could, they never stop thinking they should. Should, Yeah. <laughs> And this is what I'm thinking of those words. That that quote came through my mind several (laughs) times as I was reading this. Um, uh, But, you know, the chili beers are good. Um, You know what? Paired with a pulled pork sandwich, it's the closest thing you can get to an orgasm without having, you know, and still have your family eat on the kitchen table without it being awkward. I would say a Cuban sandwich, but... You know what? But, all right, tomato, tomato. You could, but you take that lager, you spice it up, they, they, they added spice, and they also aged it on cheddar cheese. And that is where I draw the line. I love cheese, and I love beer. They're like two very good friends who should not, under any circumstances, be allowed to fuck. You know this. If, you, if you've ever had a small circle of friends, there's often two who are especially close. And you know if they ever hook up, it's going to be disaster for the entire it group. It is civil war. <laughs> like, you have to declare a side or you lose both. That's that's cheese and beer, okay? And to be honest, I'm mostly concerned with beer in this case. Cheese, they are a player. They always have been. That's fine. Cheese pairs well with wine, crackers, fruit, nuts as part of a cheese but board. But cheese always pairs better with beer because the carbonation cuts through the strength of the cheese. My point is... Fuck you, wine! My point is cheese is out there living its best life. You get it, cheddar. You're doing your, you're doing your thing. But beer, in that relationship, beer's going to get hurt. For a start, beer is fragile. <laughs> cheese is an off flavor in beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've had some experimental stuff that smelled like straight up blue cheese and feet. And it was awful. Um, and also, there's the fat content. It fucks with beer's head retention. That doesn't seem to be the case with this beer from the videos that I saw. Uh, it seems to be like a, it looks just like a, an average uh, light, uh, a domestic light. Um... Complete with a with a nice foamy head, but uh, you know, v- video can be edited. And also, um, it was there was there was only one beer I can think of uh, that successfully prepared beer and cheese, and it was the Shades uh, Jalapeno Popper Sour, which featured jalapeno, bacon, and cream I cheese. I was not a fan of that beer. Listen, it had all those flavors, and it was okay. I opened it up at, at, at our tap room. Um, I sampled it out. I had about four ounces, and that was the correct amount. After finishing my little glass, I did not then, nor do I now, have the urge to ex- ever live that experience again. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I know what that is like. But if I, if you said, here, have another can of that, I would say, no, thank you. I shall have something good instead. <laughs> However... If you would like to see what happens when chili and beer fuck, well, um, if you live in Minneapolis, you can go to Modus Tap Room, where it is currently on draft. Uh, otherwise, go to HormelChiliCheeseBrew.com, where it is available to be shipped in some states, 
Idaho not included. I did check in case I could inflict this upon us because deep in our in our in our. If we were gonna do that, I feel we have to pair it with a can of Hormel chili, just just to make it as 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 horrible for us as possible. Oh yeah, and just so I could shit in your beer cave <laughs> and be like, sorry, like there was nothing I could do. A four pack is twelve dollars with twelve dollars shipping. Uh, and, uh, if you're, if, if, if you live outside of Idaho and, uh, and, and want to order it and then send it to us so you can hear us defecate in Jeremy's beer cave on a podcast, please feel free to do that and reach out to us at it's all beer at gmail.com. Please don't do that. I only one person is allowed to shit in this, in this room. It's not me. It's my son, Declan, and he has a diaper. <laughs> Tyler. What else? What do you got for us next? Well, Hold on. we're getting into that. We're getting into the uh, the so that so that was the old man. That was the retired uh, uh, retired favorite. Yep. Now we're on to the new fat tire, which I do like the new label. It it pops way more. I love the fact that on the cap they put fat tire, alternatively powered. Um, it is almost the same fucking color. And and in retrospect, yeah, it is almost the exact same. It, it is almost the exact same uh, uh, color. So when that, I noticed less so, hops on the nose. So la- so last week, I think we were both skeptical that they kept the same malt bill. Yeah, I think they kept. Yeah, I th- I think we have both been uh, been proven wrong. I think that is uh, entirely reasonable. And I'm with you. I don't get nearly the punch the the punchy aroma that I got off of the original. The the uh, there's I don't get any hops off the aroma. Maybe like some very light bready malt. Maybe a touch of like citrus, like but more like straight up citrus, not. I don't get fucking anything <laughs> off of your aroma. Are you? Are you? You're... Anything. I get the carbonation bubbles running across my tongue, but somehow they've made an amber ale into a domestic with no fucking flavor. The so I'm getting more hop flavor. I'm getting definitely more, um, like straight up, like I'm getting more straight up like citra hops, like uh, or, you know, orange mango, um, maybe some mosaic. If I really look, I can get some bready notes, but that's about it. But there's almost tongue. nothing from the malt. It's almost this this style wise. If you if you gave this to me without any um, without any, I'm calling this a Blondale. I'd almost go pale ale because it's still because it's still I, I feel like it's still malt forward for a for a uh, uh, you know it's a it's a, it's a lighter it is a lighter color still slightly malt forward but it's got a little tiny hop uh, 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 hop in the back I'm gonna go with pale ale I'm saying American blonde in my head pale ale I'm I'm expecting. A more fragrant aroma I'm, from the hops. But I'm going with old style pale. I'm talking about like Sierra Nevada. I'm talking about Sierra Nevada is a fucking punch of hops. Nothing like. No, it isn't. Yes, it fucking is. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this has the uh, has the hop. Well, it doesn't have the hop aroma to compete. I, I, I'd argue that it has the hop flavor to compete because I get I, quite a lot of hops on. I it. don't fucking get any. Well, your palate is wrong. It's 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 it's. Ruined from far too much uh, natty ice and <laughs> and Northern Idaho moonshine. <laughs> no, there there is. This is like I I if you told me this was a 
American Blonde that was on the Hoppier site, I'd be like, okay, I could get that. But there were, at least in mine, I can't pick up any hop flavor. I'm picking up quite a lot of hop flavor. Um, as, I mean, by itself, I feel like, ooh, again, I'm like, ooh, someone made a, a traditional uh, pale ale. Not the best one. I probably would still prefer... Um, prefer Sierra Nevadas or Mere Pond. I think their hops would be punchier. But this almost strikes me as a traditional pale. Uh, or maybe a blonde ale. I mean, but but I think we're in agreement. This ain't a this ain't this, an amber. Yeah, and maybe and well and maybe we need to face the fact that the original was barely an amber. The the original was not an amber. Well, by. Maybe by the standards that the that the that the uh, a style has evolved. Although, I think well, I mean it has the only thing it the only thing that the 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 that I feel like the original was missing as far as amber ale goes was color. I mean if it was just a sh- just a smidgen darker, mm-hmm. then I I'd... don't get any nuttiness on this. I don't get like any of the characteristics of the original fat tire. I, I mean. No, you're. I I agree with you because I'm not getting. I'm not getting the nuttiness, the toasted, this the slight caramel, the and and frankly, when you're talking about blonde ale to especially in American styles, you're talking about blonde ale to pale ale. Once again, you've got a lot of crossover, mm-hmm. and you could probably enter one into either category and see how it does. Uh, but but definitely, but it's definitely different. Um, your thoughts on it's it's. Ascension to the fat tire uh, label. So the re, I was talking about this with Michael when I got the six pack, um, because he's like, I don't get why they did this. Because you're isolating your diehard fat tire six pack drinkers, and I was like, the reason they did this, and the only reason, is this used to be New Belgium was. The fat, bre- fat tire, yeah, the brewery that made fat tire. Then when, New Belgium was almost secondary. Like, oh, the fat tire brewery. Yeah. Oh, I love fat tire brewing. Uh, yeah. And then they became Voodoo Ranger Brewing. And he's like, "Well, I don't get why they didn't make that its own brand." And I brought up, we talked about this in one of the podcast episodes. They still thought there was some brand equity they gained from having New Belgium slapped onto Voodoo Ranger, which. I don't disagree with, but if Voodoo Ranger wouldn't have become what it is now, a fat tire doesn't get fucked with. Maybe the label changes, but the liquid does not because you don't want to risk your one or two brand isolating drinkers, but because Voodoo Ranger has moved to where it is, it gives them the freedom to change this up and go, if Fat Tire all of a sudden drops off a cliff, it was already heading that direction anyways. So that sucks, but now we're a Voodoo Ranger brewery. Well, and by the way, you can also, I mean, you can, if, if, it, absolutely, if it absolutely hits a wall, you can always do the Coca-Cola move and try this out and go, you know what, we're re-releasing Fat Tire Classic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but by going this way, if you start pulling in, some younger crowd that goes, oh, this tastes like a great beer. I really like fat tire ale. 
because uh, they don't put Amber anywhere on this. It's true. So rebranding it as basically a Blondale is not a fucking bad idea. And if you grab that younger crowd that's going to all of a sudden this now pulls them in and they start grabbing Voodoo Ranger as well as this. Oh my god. Now you release this in the 19-2. You're starting to take up more of that convenience store or the Live Nation concerts. Holy fuck. You're an even bigger brand than you used to be. And if the old curmudgeons go, Oh, that's not fucking fat tire. Well, guess what? They're on their way out and they're going to die soon anyways. So what the fuck do you care? You hit upon something uh, that uh, that I remember reading the uh, the Goose Island book. Um, that you know, where they mentioned the value of of having different brands within the same company because mm-hmm. uh, you know they talked about you know they had Goose Island right, and then the three one two, and then three one two, and then a different handle for, for the Bourbon, Bourbon County. So sometimes you would have you know, especially at a bar uh, that specialized in craft beer, they would have one of their beer in Chicago. They'd have one of their beers on Honker or the IPA or something, mm-hmm. they'd have 312 because it was a completely different handle, almost a completely different brand. And it was a completely mm-hmm. different brand, actually. I mean, look at Firestone with their regular and then 805. They ran the same playbook. And then and then a golden and a golden goose for Bourbon County. There you have, you know, in, in a three distinct handles. I say in a in a in a beer bar that has, you know, ob, you know, at a good beer bar 20 uh, handles, let's call it. I'd say 12 to 20, yeah. Three of which are your brewery specifically, um, and you. But in the buyer's head, for a subconscious reason, they got one Goose Island handle and two specialty handles. Exactly. And where if they were all branded, and the big message, if they were all branded with the same handle, that regular Goose Island IPA would be cannibalized for the three one two. And then when Bourbon County came out, that 312 would go away for the Bourbon County. And you're playing with one handle instead of taking up more billboard affecting and becoming a better brand. You're, you're essentially, you, you essentially figured out psychological warfare to get shelf space. 100%. I mean, when I used to work at DirecTV, you want to know what the... So we had different levels of discounts. We had a $5 discount for 12 months, a $10 discount for 12 months... A $15 discount for 12 months and a $20 discount for 12 months uh, based on what level of customer you okay. were. Sometimes we'd have one of those for six months or... Yeah. But would you like to guess what my most popular... what The best satisfaction I'd get and most... 90% would take over another uh, discount was. I mean, I would assume the largest for 12 months. No. 15. And the only, me and a buddy tested this out. And you'd have similar, like, ranked customers in similar areas. And you'd pitch the 20 and they'd be like, mm, I think you can do better. But if you pitch the 15, they'd be like, oh, hell yeah, thank you so much. The only way we could think about it is if you break it down into bills. When you say, I'll give you 20 bucks, what do you imagine? A $20 bill. If I give you 15 bucks, what do you imagine? $10 bill and a $5 bill. So, you just got- child math, I got two bills. Huh. Instead of one. Huh. 
And I don't know why it worked, but I had better success giving someone a $15 discount than a 20 So I would always pitch the 15 and if they really would push back... You could go up to go up 20 I could go up to my 20 but for the most part, if I pitched the 15 they were stoked and happy. But $20... There's a kind of idiot that... We are a dumb species. Oh, <laughs> makes no fucking sense. Uh, Tyler, what do you what do you got for us? <laughs> well, we're gonna hop into the myth, uh, the myth, the legend of while why the St. Louis Cardinals Stadium is called Bush Stadium instead of Budweiser Stadium. So, as you know, AB InBev, the Bush family owned. The St. Louis Cardinals? I did not know that, but I know that now. Oh, yes. As of, as of uh, I was uh, this many years old when I learned that. And I care as much about that now as I did before. <laughs> yes. So, alongside of... As I had to explain someone in my tap room one time, when it comes to sports, you have to explain it to me as if I am as, as if I'm somebody from a completely foreign country who does not understand anything about your sports ball. So, when... Uh, <laughs> The Budweiser family was coming to prominence with the Budweiser brand. They, I mean, it makes sense that they would they buy a sports team. A sports team, the St. Louis sure. Cardinals, because St. Of... Louis is where they were based. And they know... also bought the theme park Bush Gardens down in Florida. Okay. Uh, and I mean, the, the sports team makes sense to me because if Russian oligarchs taught me anything, if you're into dirty money, you buy a sports team. And what better way to sell more beer than to get the sport that is associated with drinking heavily as a fan? Because it's the only it's the only thing that's really you you, you can do during that's a baseball the baseball game. Action because yeah. it's a fucking boring game. Ah, when you're live, it it's slightly it's yeah. it's slightly more impressive than cricket, and so, cricket is basically watching flies fuck. Uh, but. According to legend, Bush beer was created because of a feud between August Gussie Bush and Major League Baseball. Apparently, after purchasing the Cardinals in 1953, he wanted to name the team stadium Budweiser Stadium. Which makes sense. That's your flagship brand. That is your beer. Why would you not? Yes. yes. That but proud tradition of that. Ford Frick, uh, the commissioner... Frickin' Ford. Uh, the commissioner of MLB from 1951 to 1965 um, refused it. He was super against corporate sponsorships of baseball stadiums or any corporate sponsorship in the sport. Fucking hypocrite. He was obviously sponsored by an automobile company. <laughs> uh, so... Gussie decided to do the next best thing and name it after the Bush family, which you can't dispute, but then decided to release a beer named Bush to spite the MLB commissioner to sell in the stadium. I mean, as much as much as I agree with the commissioner and the and the idea that all the stadiums are named after their biggest corporate sponsor, um, it's you know as 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 much as as much as I uh, applaud that 
that last gap that that guy's last gaps of efforts to try to prevent that that's a baller move i do i mean that's that's a that's a tyler move like you know what fuck it i'm gonna make a beer called bush <laughs> first you can't ban my last name can you i own the team <laughs> oh i'm sorry i thought this was america <laughs> Yeah, no, 100% would have done that. Uh, there would have been a Zimmerman beer uh, if that was my situation. But unfortunately, there's not, and I am broke. So, yeah, one day, one day. Next life. <laughs> Next life, I'll be a rich Russian oligarch that can just ruin people. Uh, but uh, Neil Reed from The Man Behind the Beer Professor said, the, the story is highly possible, makes logical sense. And it's a fantastic story. But there's no evidence of this. Of course. <laughs> uh, yes, Bush Lager was released in 1955. So after they bought the team. Yeah. The following year, they released Bush Bavarian Beer. Okay. But there was... It seems this became a word-of-mouth story that was passed down through the years and just assumed to be true. The absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. Um, now, the Vine Pair article reached out to several peoples, including Amy Barra, uh, the curator of the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum, uh, who said the stadium was actually renamed Budweiser Stadium upon the purchase and then changed within 24 hours to Bush Stadium. Because uh, it used to be Sportsman's uh, Stadium for 75 years, then was Bush Stadium for, or Budweiser Stadium for 24 hours before being <laughs> renamed to Bush Stadium. Gotta get that sign up and down real fucking fast. Right? Uh, some fans still refer to the stadium as Sportsman's Park. Uh, but, like we had mentioned before, the commissioner wasn't too keen on commercial branding. Uh, but there is no evidence of the Bush beer brand being tied to the stadium name. Um, and they reached out to the Society of American Baseball Research. And, again, no evidence. Um... Uh, they reached out to Anheuser-Busch, their Catlin Craig, the director of corporate communications. And I'm sure they got a, 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 a uh, no comment or a press statement that says... Uh, they do not have any documentation to confirm the accuracy of the story. <laughs> so, basically right now, this is a fun mystery that will probably never be solved of did Anheuser-Busch actually try to spite the commissioner and create their own beer brand off their last name or was that already in the works and it just happened to be a happy accident i mean listen if there's one thing uh that i know about rich uh uh people it's that when they when they are fucking you they want you to know it <laughs> they, they, they 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 want to be very clear on who's doing it whose hands are on your thighs uh and so if that was in the if if it was if it was a matter of spite, I think there would be no ambiguity. So the fact that there is ambiguity does support the fact that it was just a matter of circumstance. Uh, the one thing I will say though, 
from reading the book Dethroning the King, kind of taking Budweiser from where it started to when Imbev hostily took them over. Yeah. Uh, and like hearing about Gussie, uh, that makes me lean more towards the this was a spite thing. Because I mean, there's a famous story when he was sitting there watching the Super Bowl one year. It was supposed to cut back from commercial to a blimp that had a Bud Light thing. Mm-hmm. And basically be a Bud Light ad as they're talking into the pregame. Well, it just kicked right to the game. He, It is then stated he gets on, he walks out of the room, gets on the phone, and a fit of rage comes back, sits down... And within one minute of him sitting back down, it kicks to the Bud Light blimp. Alright. So, knowing this guy... This guy also refused to drive into the office because he didn't like driving, so he would take a helicopter (laughs) from his house outside of St. Louis to the office. Go... Also didn't like stairs. Or elevator. So he'd go down the three flights of stairs... To the floor his office was on. To his office. Back to the helicopter and back. I mean, but but that in and of itself leads me to believe that if this was done purposefully for that for that reason, he wouldn't hide it. He would be very... The only thing I could think is he didn't think to document it. He was just like, oh no, fuck that guy. We're doing this beard named after me. But there, but therein lies because be, because there is a report of a family member, or I don't know where, I don't know. I'm assuming that that uh, your your account uh, of him getting up from the from the uh, that was from other higher ups because he would have everyone to yeah. his house for Super Bowl. Uh, so the so the so the fact that I mean. That he strikes me as a person who had people around him. That would be a weird detail for him to never react to. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying that even with those stories, um, it was it would be very unusual that he would never ever once go, <laughs> "I fucked him." <laughs> or maybe if the commissioner would have stuck around longer and he could have actually had a real fight with him, maybe. But it seems like, I don't know, I'm leaning a little more towards this was the level of petty of the Bush family. And they did that. And then we're like, oh, no, we didn't actually do that. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I suppose that my, uh, my, my mind says it's probably circumstantial unless there's some documentation uh, uh, confirming otherwise. Because, again... Powerful people, especially rich, powerful people who have no repercussions. Yeah. Repercussions. They don't tend to be all that worried about about. They, they want you to know. True. Uh, so um, as we're finishing off today, um, here's my question for you: um, Is the new fat tire going? Is is is? is do, you, do you think it's going to uh, be successful, or do you think that it's? gonna do okay for a little for a little while people lose interest it goes away a fat tire and fat tire as a brand goes away i think it'll be a middling brand for new belgium uh i think it'll do decent never great 
I think for it to stick around, New Belgium has to want to keep this brand around it and invest the resources. So if it all of a sudden starts coming out in the 192, um, well, get the- it out of bottles altogether and just go straight cans, I see it sticking around but never being a relevant player. But b- trying to be that gateway beer for the next generation. And when I look at my daughter and go, well, back in my day, Fat Tire was an Amber Ale. And she'll go, sure it was. All right, whatever, Dad. Jesus Christ. So if it sticks around, it'll be because New Belgium wants it to. It not. It won't be because it's crushing it, in my mind. Um, I mean... I'm thinking about the, the the New Belgium brand itself, um, and you know, and it might be. I don't. We don't do a lot with New Belgium at our shop because, I mean, it's kind of everywhere. Um, but although, I, I mean, a lot of their, I mean, their voodoo everything now. Say, I mean, voodoo everything. Do they do the eighteen eighty four whatever it was called? Maybe the. Uh, I mean the. The La Follet. The 1554. 1554, yeah. Yeah. I think I still see some six-packs occasionally of that. Uh, The Trippel I still see around every once in a while. And then Fat Tire. But I don't know if they do the La Follet series anymore or the Cross Atlantic. I mean, they were coming... There was a time they were... They they were a pretty... uh, uh, I mean, they were... They were doing kind of the the same experimental stuff that you you, you know you see from larger brands, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to a certain extent like uh, Firestone Walker, um, is is the first one that comes to mind. But come to think of it, like your biggest brands have stopped doing a lot of experimental stuff because um, they can't. They're not nimble enough anymore. I mean, I, well, for any, I, that makes I mean that makes sense because you know outside of. You know, outside of specialty stores like mine, um, you know what's what's the point? Other than it keeps your it, it keeps your uh, uh, brand in the mind of craft uh, drinkers of you know of you know of of uh, hard of hardcore craft drinkers. But once you got vo- but when you got the voodoo brand, maybe you don't care about the 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 snobbiest of the beer snobs. Yeah, and. I mean, and so I mean, in in a few years, do we just let is New Belgium just Voodoo Ranger? I mean, I think if it was still employee owned, Fat Tire sticks around because of the nostalgia. Yeah, but with them being owned by Kieran now, maybe they just moved to. We're just Voodoo Ranger, like brought to you by New Belgium. Yeah, <laughs> why are they called New Belgium? I thought they just did the Voodoo stuff. Well, let me tell you a tale. <laughs> Back in my day. I, I mean I always I always try to think of, of, of in terms of like of of you know uh, action reaction action reaction um, uh, I don't know if this is gonna be enough to make people excited about fat tire again um, but I think it's possible that there gets to be a point where IPAs fall out of favor and people start exploring different styles. <sighs> I mean, maybe IPAs will dip in popularity, but I don't think we'll ever fall out of favor. I don't think it'll be. I don't think they will ever. Well, I mean, but when fat, but when fat tire uh, uh, came around, um, 
you know, IPA was still a sort of it wasn't it wasn't what you think of when you think American craft beer. You know, you know, it was. In fact, you're more likely to go to a brewery and see an amber ale than you were an IPA. Um, and so, I don't I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. I don't think it's happening next year. It wouldn't completely surprise me to to to. to, to There'll be another spinoff of the IPA that keeps I mean, it relevant. Who, who could have predicted Hazy's being, you know, the... the but, the, like you said, it's a spinoff of the core IPA family that'll keep IPA relevant. IPA will never die. I don't think it'll ever die, but... Um, I just I just speculate as to, well, maybe the the, the that flavor profile and just gets... Who knows? Maybe it's a... Flop for New Belgium, where Voodoo Ranger gets you in the door, and Fat Tire keeps you. Could be. Where, when but, we were becoming drinkers, Fat Tire got you in the door, and although, then for some people, Voodoo kept them. Although I'm not sure this. I mean, it's 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 a it's a good beer. I like it. Um, but think palate fatigue. Think. I mean, we've all went through kicks where we just go. Like pilsners, lagers, typically German, but uh, but a nice blonde ale. I mean, blonde ale, and maybe that, and maybe that's what they are. Uh, maybe there's the acknowledgement is the fact that amber ale has sort of kind of exists in this no man's land between IPA and a crisp blonde ale. Or the brewery I work for has an amber, and it's moved up into our second best seller. Okay, it's fucking taken off. With lack of push. And I... I, You got more people looking for it. So, when they announced they were changing this, I was fucking stoked. Because I'm like, I'm going to go through once this fucking makes the transition and start being like, that's not an amber anymore. Here's an amber. And and that... I've actually noticed more people looking for amber ales myself, which is when... Which is where I sort of question the... uh, the, now I'm not sure if that's a now I wasn't sure if that was a isolated thing to to my shop or if that was a regional thing, um, and maybe it's just a market thing. But I mean, listen, go to different go to different uh, tap rooms, bottle shops here in this town, and ask what's the best seller, and you'll find completely different things. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about the beer market. Uh, for states or even the country as a whole, you're probably going to find... I'm not sure Amber Ale is picking up uh, the, the way we might be seeing it here. But um, I still... There's there's still a part of me that goes, what if... And I'm not saying it will, but what if IPA just sort of bores people? I mean, you can keep on cranking out new and new... new and uh, flavorful hops, but there's something... You know, there's, the new experimental hops... I mean, we just did a beer with a new hop that is fucking phenomenal. If that beer doesn't get named and made into a full-time year-round hop, I'm going to be just <laughs> Well, this has been uh, It's All Beer. If you want to get a hold of us uh, and let us know. If you if, if you if you are also running this experiment, uh, and, you know, or, or just are or just mad. I, when I posted this, I actually got quite a, a, a little bit of a response about people going, uh, 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 going no, this was stupid. They shouldn't have done this. I, listen, um, for, for from my perspective, they 
didn't have much to lose. They had a lot to gain. Yeah. Like I said, if Voodoo Ranger wasn't as successful as it was, no, they would have never done this. Um, it is a it is a not much to lose, a lot to gain scenario. So anyway, but but uh, you can tell us why we were wrong uh, at it's all beer at gmail.com. Uh, I put up uh, photos of what we're drinking and, and random uh, idiocy uh, uh, on our Instagram page. Uh, uh, it's all beer. You can also find us on Facebook, right? Those things also find uh, find a home along with uh, episode updates and general weirdness. Uh, it's all beer on Facebook. Uh, there you can leave a review. You can also leave a review on our uh, Spotify or iTunes page um, if you uh, uh, want to say, yeah, I liked their podcast until they said that Fat Tire was uh, uh, was uh, not an amber and now I hate them. <laughs> Fair enough. Because, you know, that's... And how much is New Belgium page? Ah, <laughs> uh, millions. As long as there's no, as long as there's no follow-up questions, they've paid us millions, and uh, uh, and that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna drink a beer. Have fun. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can't hear me. Why can I not hear me? Cause bitch. You're a bitch. Oh. Oh! 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 Nathan wanted me to moan for you so you could try to fuck him. Um, he thought that was going to do it? Uh, No, he told me to tell you to fuck you. And then he's like, actually, moan for him. And I was like, okay, I'll moan for him and then tell him you want to fuck him. Uh, so, Nathan says hi. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, now I hear us. And, thank God none of that was... Re- oh, it was recording! <laughs> Yeah, it was recording, yes. <laughs> Hi, Nathan, uh, and welcome to the Easter egg at the back of the episode. <laughs>